You are listening to a live message from Gold Street Garden Church with Dr. Dominic Butler. We are thrilled to have you join us for today's message. Our prayer is that you would see Jesus clearer than ever before and your desire to know him personally would increase in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information about the church, you can go to goldstreetgarden.com. Uh, sound good? Awesome. Thank you, Evan. You're the man. So this is what we're going to do. We, we're starting a new train of thought tonight. Uh, last week, we talked about being positioned for power, but it wasn't something I felt was a series. And I don't, just so everybody knows, I don't do series like some people think of series like the Lord will just put something on my heart and I can't shake it, so I sit on it for multiple weeks. Does anybody do that, like even in their personal study time? That like, I'm one of those people that I'll chew on something for a really long time, get it? And last week we had uh, our leadership and we invited some people into a, a, a corporate fast. And it was, I'm just being transparent, five days without eating and only water is very, I don't know if anybody's done that before, if done longer, if you've done longer, um, kudos to you, that's amazing. But I'll tell you what, when you water fast for five days, the fourth and fifth day are amazing. It's the second and third day that suck. But the, f- <laughs> the, fourth and f- the fourth and the fifth day are amazing. It's like a spiritual high. It, like, I literally felt like I, I didn't even feel like I was walking on the ground. I just felt like I was, and that, it was awesome because we went out uh, soul winning on Saturday and it just felt like everything was like a divine encounter like a woman at the well moment with everybody because you're just so in tune with the spirit of God and the Lord during that fast really illuminated a story to me in the Bible that is going to frame our our hearts for the next few weeks or wherever that is and, and the title of this train of thought is called um, non-negotiable Everyone say that, non-negotiable. When it comes to trust in God, trust is non-negotiable with God. That you can't, you can't know who God is without trust. You can't access what God's best without trust. Trust is a currency. And, you know, we hear words like faith and trust are, are very synonymous. And I want to really focus on trust because... Trust is something that everyone really understands. Faith sometimes gets really caught in a Christianese culture, and it's, it's a language that sometimes gets really mechanical, but trust everyone in this room and everyone in society can relate to trust because trust is something that is all based around character, right? That you trust a what? A name brand, right? You can trust that because it's a name brand, or you can trust something because of the character, because of what's about that. But I want to share one cool thing. If you've never seen this before, it's really, if you know it, then, you know, just don't say anything and ruin it for everybody. Don't be an Adam and Eve tonight. No, I'm just playing. Ruin it for, don't ruin it for all the other humans in the room. Uh, but does anybody know the longest chapter in the Bible? Does anybody know the longest chapter in the Bible? Psalm Correct. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. Does anybody know the smallest chapter in the Bible? What is it, Matt? What is it? That's a scripture. What's the, the smallest chapter? So, okay, now check this out while he got it. So the, the longest chapter in the Bible is Psalm 119. The smallest chapter in the Bible is Psalm 117. Guess where the middle of the Bible is? Psalm 118. Now check this out. I'm going somewhere with this. Not only is Psalm 119 the longest and then Psalm 117 the shortest, Psalm 118 is where the middle of the, the Bible is. Guess what scripture is the very middle of the Bible? Like if you've and I'm talking King James, you, that's what I'm looking at. But if you go to the very middle of the Bible, the very middle verse of the Bible is Psalm 118.8. Do you want me to read it to you? It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. The very center verse of the Bible. Now, take it a step further. You ready for this? That scripture has 14 words. 
Guess what the two middle words of the Bible are? The Lord. Very middle of the Bible. Psalm 118, 8, though, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Do you know the, the confidence in man we put more than anything is ourselves? Sometimes when we think putting confidence in man, we think of other people. That's one area. But you know, the, the worst arena that we fall victim to is we trust ourselves way too much. That's what procrastination is. You know the reason people procrastinate is because they have more faith in time than they do God. They think they can get it done in time no matter what and they'll just wait till the last minute. Procrastination is actually a form of pride. People don't want to hear that because now they're accountable to that. He's like, oh, I'm going to have to be on time and do things. Well, it's important. Our character is important. And in today's culture, a lot of people get a, don't understand how important character is. And God's whole kingdom's built off his character. So your whole life's built off your character. Because we're made in his image. Character's a big thing. The things that you don't think are a big deal are huge to God. And in fact, the things you don't think are a big deal are the exact reason you might still be in the same spot you are. You have to look in these arenas. Now, during the fast, the Lord really dealt with me about this coming year that Jackie and I have a commission of the Lord to bring everyone here under our influence, under our sphere. There's a level of trust that God is wanting to elevate people in this room too, all of you too, very fast because the things that God's about to ask of you, your mind is going to scream 100% no. Has, any, has anybody been there before? Has God asked you to, has, if you've been in this room and everything God's asked you to do, you're just like, yeah, that's great, God, and you don't know who this God is because <laughs> God purposefully is going to ask you to do things that your mind is not going to be a friend of. And that's why that brings us to our, our, our catalyst scripture before we get into the story tonight. And that is this. And I want to caveat that Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, every believer in this room needs to memorize these two scriptures. Most of you might actually be able to, but can everybody in here say, I'm going to memorize that, Pastor? We need to memorize the scriptures. Now, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, a lot of you might even be able to quote it with me when I start saying, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he shall direct your paths. That is a passage of scripture that needs to come off your lips daily. Daily, and I want to break down why this passage of scripture is like the compass of life. <laughs> we always come back to this passage because it's so simple, but God in this hour is resurrecting the simplicity of his word for us to truly be able to walk in all that he has for us. So when you read this scripture, Let's break it down very quickly. Trust in the Lord. What does God want? Trust. Simple, right? Trust. Where is this trust? What, what is trust? It means to be fully reliant. It means my confidence is in. I believe. You know what I'm saying? Like you got to put some, whatever imagery you got to put to make trust real to you, you do that. Trust in the what? Lord. Now, why would it be specifically Lord? You have to read the Bible with precision and power. Like when you're reading it, you got to be focused. Why is these terms being put here? Trust in the Lord. Because if you're trusting in the Lord, it doesn't say trust in the healer, even though we know God's a healer. It doesn't say trust in the Savior. It says trust in the Lord because 
you're trusting in the Lord because his lordship means he is the end all for every decision you make. And you're trusting that he gets final say in everything, every sphere of your life. Amen? That, but here's the kicker is that it's trust in the Lord with what? All. All of your heart. This is why sanctification, walking the walk of faith is daily. Every day I have to make sure my all is all. You, do you realize that sometimes we read scriptures, what does it say, love the Lord with all your heart? Do you, do you, re, do you ask yourself sometimes, Lord, where's my all? Because it's so easy to trust in so many things. Because it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And what is, what is the very next thing it says? Lean not on your own understanding. Now, why would it say that right after trust in the Lord with all your heart? Because the greatest temptation is to lean on your dumb noggin. That is the, this is what, ha now, I want to put something in perspective. I started bursting out laughing the other day, and you might just think it's nothing, but I just had this thought. God is all-powerful. He's all-knowing, and he's everywhere at once. I know little. My strength is very little. I can only be at one place once, and I... I actually think I have a better idea in moments of life. Do you, do you see the irony here? That he's not asking us trust in him with all of our heart because Nick actually said it before, Jeremiah 29. He says, I know the plans I have for you. So God knows what your perfect life looks like, but when you... Listen to your mind, you settle for so less. I want to make a statement that you, you don't know who you really are until you trust God. You don't even know who you are. Because if you rely on your mind, you're just relying on yesterday's, you could be even relying on yesterday's manna. I love to give this illustration. Remember when God told Abraham to sacrifice his son? Was, did God tell Abraham to sacrifice his son? But did you know the next day, God said, don't kill your son. What if Abraham would have lived on yesterday's word? Do you know why you need fresh manna every day? You need to know what God is saying right now, or you're, you're going to cost yourself what God has for you. You have, to, you have to understand trusting in the Lord with all your heart is so imperative. It is, it, it's, and I, I wanted to make sure I get these out. You discover who you are when you trust who he is. In fact, nothing in life makes sense as a believer until you trust God. Isn't that the truth? God's kingdom works like this. Five bread, five loaves of bread, two fish, that's plenty. No, it's not. That's totally not enough for 15,000 people. But God can make a reality if you can believe something in your heart and be thankful for the revelation you have. He can feed multitudes. He can do, there's something supernatural that happens with a heart that trusts God and is thankful for what God is doing. Amen? So, I want to say this, and I want to read this quote, because I believe this is a really special quote that the Lord is ministering when it comes to trust. I'm going to read it twice to you in case you're taking notes, but this is something that came up in my spirit, that trust is a language of the heart that communicates a depth of love that no other language can communicate. I'm going to say that again. Trust is a language of the heart that communicates a depth of love that no other language can communicate. In other words, there isn't a, a, a greater language to communicate love other than trust. That trust is the pinnacle of expressing, I love you. Amen? And I love Matthew chapter 4 when Jesus calls the disciples. 
you know what he does? In that particular account, is he says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men while they're out fishing. So what is Jesus showing us here? Come follow me. What's another phrase for follow me? Come trust me and I will make you into something. You see, trust is God's invitation for him to say, let me make you into who I called you to be. You could put it like this. When you give God your trust, he makes you into who you're called to be. Trust is what you give for God to make you. <laughs> trust is what you give God to make you, to construct you, to build you. It's, it's what he builds you out of is your trust. Lean not on your own understanding. I truly believe that the subtlest rebellion is leaning on your own understanding instead of God. It is... It, we are all so tempted, we don't realize, what did Jesus say? Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. So apart from me, you can do nothing, which means that your own understanding is nothing. <laughs> this is hard for people, I, I know. Just because we think that we're smart, I'm, I'm here to tell you God's smarter than you. Selah. God is so smart. And what the enemy tries to do, Jesus' first miracle, he told that they ran out of wine at a feast, right? They run out of wine. And Jesus says, fill up six water pots. They didn't have a hose. You have a hose in your backyard. They had to go to a well and scoop water into six, six huge ceremonial pots and fill it with gallons of water. And they just listened to him. They didn't say, why are we doing that? They need wine, not water. But this is the thing about God, is that God is just looking for people that aren't there to just ask a bunch of analytical questions and say, well, they asked for this, why are we doing this? They said this, they said this. And you do this in your prayer life and you don't realize. You do this in your day-to-day, your -day. why is this happening? Why is God allowing this to happen? When God is just looking for a yes and you're about to start seeing and you are, some people have questions in this room that are hindering them from their promised land. You have questions that you're hung up on. You have things that you're like, why did this happen then? Why did this happen? But God is wanting to take you into something, but he just needs a yes. He needs you to trust him. He needs you to walk through these things. And then I, I, I just think that our own understanding, <laughs> our own understanding is what the devil uses us to talk us out of God's instruction. It's what happens all the time. That you, God puts something in your heart. Some of you have big dreams and visions, and you don't realize that the devil's watering down the vision that God gave you every day, every time you tap into your own understanding instead of his word. That God's told some of you to go out and do these things, and you're just like, well, the budget, these things, these things, and I'm all about wisdom. I'm all about seeking godly counsel, but I do have a problem when somebody says, make sure you use wisdom, and they're just saying it because they're jealous that you're about to step into something. I hope you got that. <laughs> that you need to make sure, I, Jackie and I, we surround ourselves with, with men and women of God that speak into our lives on a regular basis, and if there's any lone wolves in this place, I'm here to remind you that is not okay. You need to make sure you have accountability. You need to make sure you have brothers and sisters that can speak into your life, have a pastor that can speak into your life, have people that are not, and I always say that the, the fine line between ministry and manipulation is motive. That it's not a, don't, ministry is not to manipulate people to do what you want or things like that. The motive is to love and to help people get to where they need to be. So, oh, this is good. Is this helping anybody? All right, so we have trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Bad, bad. And then in all your ways, acknowledge him. I love this. Every moment is an opportunity to, to just love on him. That every obstacle, every trial, every problem you face, you have the choice to make it a date with God or a prison cell with the enemy. 
Every trial, every obstacle, every problem can either be a date with God or a prison cell with the enemy. I actually like problems. You'd be like, that's crazy. You know why? Because it's a time to commune with him and let him take me through it to teach me something as a son. It's, it's like when my, my little girl was trying to, she's learning how to tie her shoes. She doesn't know how to tie her shoes. So it's like, it's a problem. It's not, it's not the end of the world problem, but that's the thing is some of us in our little temporal mindset, a problem that somebody is facing feels like the end of the world when really it's just an opportunity for your father to teach you how to be his child. Amen? Acknowledge him. In all your ways. I think one of the greatest temptations is to figure it out instead of follow him. <laughs> it's one of the greatest temptations is to figure it out. And what do we have in our disposal today? Everybody has, you know, everybody has Google. You know, you can just Google things. Let's, let's start a revolution. Let's pray instead of Google. Wow, that's a revelation, right? Did you know, once again, not only is God smarter than you, he's smarter than Google. And he's not demonic like Google either. Can I get an amen? <laughs> We're going to get kicked off. No, just <laughs> um, That's a nut talk for another day. So... <laughs> One of the things about acknowledging him is what does it say in 2 Corinthians chapter 3? It says that, that we are transformed into his image as we behold him. So every time you acknowledge him, you become him. Isn't that beautiful? The reason he wants us to acknowledge him is because we're about to lean on our own understanding. So this, this is a sequence. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your understanding. It's like bad. <laughs> don't lean on that. It's going to fall over. It can't support you. And then it goes right on to say right after that, what does it say? It says, acknowledge him. So instead of leaning on your own understanding, what are you going to do? Acknowledge him. Because he's trying to say, in order to trust in me with all your heart, you need to acknowledge me always. That's what I'm looking for. Do you see how the scriptures, they, they help us, they take us through this, this journey and then finally you get to, he shall direct our paths. Isn't this beautiful? I love the word shall. This is a, a, guaranteed, a guaranteed promise that if you acknowledge him in all your ways, he shall direct your paths. Someone say, he shall direct my paths. This is why you need to speak this over your life every day. Soon as a problem arises, I'm going to trust in the Lord with all my heart. I'm not going to lean on what I'm thinking right now because what I'm thinking right now is doing this and doing this. I'm going to acknowledge you, Lord, right now because this is an opportunity for me to romance with the king. And as I romance with you, I'm going to forget about how trivial this problem is and you're going to direct my path the rest of this day. Do you see how easy that was? And this is what you can do and you need to memorize it and go with this. So I want to share this real quick. And then we'll get to the story. You can actually turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1 right now as I share this point. And the, I had this in my spirit so big today. And I actually, I got a chance to share with Matt right before, Matt Dewberry right before service. And I, I want to remind everybody that God is not only the God that heals, he's the God that resurrects. You got to hear that again. God's not only the God that heals, he's the God that resurrects. Not only is he the door, He's the one that's through it. He's what's through the door. Not only is he the light, he's the source of the light. Yeah. Do you, and I say this because people, you might get into a circumstance in this room where it seems like it's over because of a natural circumstance. But that's what I'm here to tell you that God's the God that heals, but he's also the God that resurrects. Do you know how many times people actually will give up on something just because in the natural it seems like there's no hope. But that's why he's the God of the resurrection because even in the natural when everything's dead, he's got the kicker. Do you see that? That there's people, you know, I've even, and I'm, I'm gonna go there right now, but there's people who are like, well, I don't, they can't be raised from the dead now because they're embalmed. 
I know it's crickets, crickets, right? Can God raise somebody from the dead that was embalmed? Do we believe that? But it, no, but in the natural, they're embalmed. That's already done. It's already, it's, already, it's already a done deal. It's already the, what I'm trying to get at is that in our, in our own understanding, we limit what God can do. That's what I'm getting at. Is that as soon as something happens in the natural, we actually disqualify what God can do based off who we believe he is. This is why we need to trust in all of our heart. The best way I can say this is what happened with Lazarus. That, that Jesus, it, the, the scripture is actually hilarious. And I, I know I told you to uh, stay in 1 Samuel. I'm going to actually read it to you in John chapter 11. Just a quick uh, glorious bunny trail. Is that it says in chapter 11, it says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother's Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to day again. So check that scripture out. It says that Jesus loved them and decided not to go. (laughs) Does that sound weird? If he loved them, he would have ran there. But here's the thing is that the reason he didn't is because they thought that when he died, it was over, but they forgot he's the resurrection. There's people in this room that things have died. Things have, you think that in the natural, but I'm here to tell you, he is the resurrection of the things that you've even tried to disqualify. You've even tried to settle on your head are not possible, which leads us to where we're at tonight. First Samuel chapter one. Oh, I'm excited. So just follow me. And this is where we're camping. And then we'll close out in prayer and see what the Lord wants to do in that time. Whew. Where trust is and possibility is not. <laughs> Where trust is in possibility is not. Because he's not just the God that heals. He's the God that resurrects. Psalm 62, 8, right before we read that chapter, says this. Trust in him at all times. You see that word all again? Say that with me out loud. Trust in him at all times. You people Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. The exact reason we trust in him, he's actually saying that because you trust in me, I want you to pour your heart out before me. Has anybody gone before the Lord and just, I'm talking, weeped? And there was something you were going through and you just, you laid it all out before the Lord. Is anybody? You know what I'm talking Isn't this beautiful? And you know what happens? Your trust grows when you release that in his presence. Because he wants you to pour your heart out to him because he wants to fill it up with trust. He wants to fill it up. And that leads us to this story in 1 Samuel chapter 1. It says this. Now Samuel's no joke. He was the prophet that the Lord used. And I'm going to, when we get to the very end, you'll find a little bit more about Samuel. And I highly encourage you to read First and Second Samuel. If you have not in your life, you need to. The Old Testament is so alive right now. The whole word of God is alive. But I've, I've, I've sensed that God is really helping Christians because we don't realize Jewish They know the Old Testament so well, and there's so many Christians that are so, they don't understand the the heritage that comes from the Old Testament. They they actually think that it doesn't matter. It's it's just not a big deal. No, the Old Testament is so rich. It's full of Jesus everywhere. And in 1 Samuel, Samuel's a prophet that is transitioning from judges of Israel to kings. And Samuel's the one that brings David into, he speaks the word of the Lord and anoints David, also Saul, who uh, was his predecessor that rebelled. But we see here, this is how Samuel gets conceived. And it says, now there was a certain man of 
Ramathame Zepham of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Alkanah, the son of Jeroboam, the son of Elihu, and the son of Tahu, the son of Zeph and Ephraimite. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina. Everyone say Hannah. Hannah is going to be Samuel's mother, but she's going to be the one we're going to look at in depth in this moment. So as we continue reading, Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. Everyone say no children. Now at this time, with Elkanah having two wives, you could understand that one wife having children and the other one not having children, do you think that would bother Hannah a little bit? This man went up from the city yearly, Alkina, to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh, also the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas. The priests of the Lord were there, and whenever the time came for Alkina to make an offering, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters, but to Hannah he would give a double portion. For he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. Now, I'm going to, I want to share something right here. I want to make a statement and prophesy over all families here that God's will for the children of God is for your womb to, to be bountiful. That families of God would grow and that have healthy pregnancies, that that's, that's the will of the Lord. That's what he wants for the kingdom of God, that anything else is from, it's a curse of the enemy, and we, we have a right to see that. But I, I want to show you something that's really powerful about this passage, about how sometimes we wonder why certain things haven't manifested yet. Has anybody really been believing God for something and just haven't seen it totally manifest yet? I think we've all been there, right? You just haven't seen something manifest. And it actually says that the Lord closed her womb and that's a that's a that's a very daunting scripture right you would be like why would this this happen here and then you keep reading and it says her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the lord had closed her womb so paninus is actually rubbing it in her face like i have children where's yours and this is a common thing in the old testament remember this even happened where sarah she couldn't have a child and then Abraham leaned on his own understanding, and then Ishmael popped out, and then you, have, you also have all these other things going on when you have Rachel, and she wasn't able to have children for a while, and this is something that happens in Scripture, but when we hear somebody say the God of Israel, what they're really saying is it's the God of the impossible, because Israel was the product of Abraham waiting for years to have Isaac, and then Jacob who became Israel was the son of Isaac. So when we hear the God of Israel, we're hearing of, of the God of the impossible, that the, this generation, that all of us are sitting here because of miracles. Do you realize that? Like some of you don't understand the lineage of what you believe in, that, that we are all the product of Abraham. Like we are the product of men and women of God believing against all odds. And we're in this room and we just need a nice little motivational message. No, you were created for bigger things than to get caught up in the same ruts. And you see right here what happens in this story is there's three things I want to share with you. Is that, is that what did Hannah want more than anything? She wanted a child to show a kind of how much she loved him. Check this out. This is sim symbolic. That what Hannah wanted to give, she could not do it on her own. God creates desires in your heart to reveal and expose your inability to fulfill them to push you to him. Oh, that was so good. I got to see if I could say that again. God purposefully places desires in your heart to expose your inability to fulfill them to push you to him. That is good. That, that what happens is God is actually creating in you dreams and visions, and then you realize, I can't do this. No matter how hard Hannah would try to have a baby on her own, does anybody understand um, just the, the, the human anatomy? <laughs> I don't know if we need to go through a lesson, but a woman cannot, she wouldn't be able to give Alkina what she wanted without him. 
Did you know what Hannah's name means? Grace. That grace is a gift of God given liberally without reproach, and it's not what grace performs, it's what grace yields to the husband. And grace is only able to give back to God what it yields to the husband. And bears that fruit that comes forth. So as you keep reading, this desire, Hannah, Hannah wants to give, but she's realizing that I need to trust someone because I can't lean on my own understanding. I can't even make this come to pass. And what happens when when you have a desire in your heart, whether you want to see family members saved or whether you have dreams in your heart or whether there's just things that are, you need restoration, you need different things going on. And all of a sudden, did you ever get, let's just be real. Do you get frustrated when there's an incomplete desire in your heart? That's on purpose. That, and I, I, I want to, this is what help is helping me. This might rock theology a little bit, but this is when, what the enemy uses for evil, God turns around and uses for good. This woman, Paninus, starting to mock Hannah is actually going to push her to the secret place. And when you push a born-again believer to the secret place, something powerful is going to happen. I want to talk to some people tonight that when you have a desire in your heart and it actually starts frustrating you, guess what? Your prayer language is about to go to a whole nother level. You're going to start praying in a way you never have before. In Romans chapter 8, it talks about that when you start praying with the Holy Spirit, you actually start groaning. That It's because you don't even have words for it anymore. You just want to see something come to pass so much that a desire desire gets birthed in you and you you can't shake it and you can't fulfill it on your own you don't know how to make it come to pass and God put this desire in you and you want to see it maybe you're like me and you want to see this city shaken by the power of God and every day you wake up and you're frustrated when you watch the news when you see things but guess what it gets you on your knees and you start praying in a way you haven't prayed before because your language goes to this new height because What the enemy is doing is actually fueling your prayer language. You start praying in a new way. You start seeking in a new way. And actually, you turn the frustration that could just become emotional, and you actually turn it into spiritual anger against the enemy. And when you do that, all hell gets really scared. Because now you're not taking the frustration, anger out on your brothers and sisters. You're fueling it in the desire God placed in your heart saying, this city will be shaken. My family will be saved in the name of Jesus. I don't care if I got to pray longer. I don't care if I got to stay with him longer because he's worthy of it all. And I am only on this planet for one reason. And it's not just to have a nice house and drive a nice car. It's to see the hand of God move throughout my region, throughout my life. And I just need to know that there's an army rising up. I, I'm, I can't be satisfied and that desire in me pushes me. That's why for years, you know, one of the greatest compliments you can get is consistency, right? The reason I'm consistent, the reason I keep doing it is because I can't shake it. You know what I'm saying? You can't shake it. It's like even when in the natural you see things and you hear things and it's discouraging. Something got put in you that made you crazy. It puts a crazy look in your eye when you see things. I love, I love this story. I share it a lot. John G. Lake he was, or not John G. Lake, uh, I think it was William Booth. Uh, who, does anybody know the man that uh, created Salvation Army or pioneered Salvation Army? Is it William Booth? William Booth. So when William Booth was believing for the, the facilities, believing for that vision, he knew how much money it was going to take. And he prayed and he prayed. And a little boy walked up to him and handed him a penny and said, this is for the dream God gave you. And he started weeping, and it was only a penny, but this is what happens when you have a desire in your heart, even the smallest little thing will will actually turn you into overdrive. And that's why you need to go out on the streets and tell people about Jesus, because every soul makes you want to go even more. Every time you pray and you get revelation, you start reading the Word. Some of you haven't been in the Word for weeks, and you're wondering why you're hitting these things, but if you get in the Word right now, guess what? God's going to speak to you, and you're going to go to another level, desire are going to get built and you're going to go to a whole new, I hope this is preaching to somebody. So God, God puts desires in you 
to expose your inability to fulfill them without him. And it actually pushes you to the secret place, which we'll find is exactly what happens to Hannah. Because in verse 8, it says, Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? You see, Hannah could have settled for being treated better. You see, she could have settled for the double portion. But what does we see right here? She can't live with the fact that there's a desire in her heart. Even if everybody is patting her on the back and saying, it's okay, you're pretty, you're beautiful, you got, you got a husband, you, you, you got things together, it's okay. But I'm sure there's people in this room that you know your life might be okay. It might be on cruise control, and there, there might be a lot of people around you think that you know things look like they're going pretty good for you. But at the end of the day, there's this desire in your heart, and it actually it frustrates you that it's not there yet, and all of a sudden, what happens is you get in the secret place, and then the Lord starts refining that and says, yeah, the reason you feel this way is because you're called to more. The reason you feel that way is because you're called to way more than that. And then verse 9, it says, so Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord, and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Remember, we were talking about this before, just pouring out the heart, praying in anguish. You know, I want to encourage you that some people, you're just too polished in your prayer. You're too polished. It's a problem. If I always went up to my wife and just said, hi, wife, this is this and this is that, you know, uh, I want to make sure, you know, I'm doing this. I, oh, I want to make sure I'm confessing this to you. I love you. I just got to remember to say that, you know, like sometimes we go to prayer and we're like, Lord, I'm blessed. I'm highly favored. I, I love you, Lord. I, uh, you know, thank you. And it's like, no, what's really going on in your heart? What do you really want to see come to pass? Because this, this is what I want to show you, that God puts a desire in your heart that you have an inability to fulfill without him because he needs to get you to pray it, to speak it out of your mouth because he needs, he puts the desire of heaven in your heart to manifest heaven on the earth. How do you get heaven to come to earth? By talking with the maker of heaven and earth. <laughs> it's simple. How do you get heaven to come to earth? By talking with the maker of heaven and earth. It's very simple. And he puts the desire there. He puts that desire there. And then you start praying that desire. And you can't shake it. And the Lord's so excited because you thought your womb, the womb of your heart was closed and nothing was coming. But little did you know, as you've been pouring out your heart, as you've been pouring out the things you're desiring, God is raising up a little shepherd boy in the field, a little shepherd girl in the field. And while everybody's out at the battle looking at all the, 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 the soldiers and all the big people, you're just out there. And it's so beautiful because... Everybody talks about David and Goliath because everybody saw that, but David was actually beating bears and lions when nobody was looking. And that's what the secret place is called. When you're in the secret place, you are slaying lions and bears while nobody's looking and God's getting ready to promote you to slay Goliath in front of all your family, in front of all your friends, in front of all the regions that you're about to cut the devil's head off in the name of Jesus. You know what I'm saying? And you get this, that she starts praying, but she's weeping in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant, remember me. Do you know what I'm talking about? Has anybody got real before the Lord and just said, Lord, I know you've called me. I know you've called me. Lord, I know you went to the cross for more than what I'm seeing. Help me to see what you see. Change what's in my heart that's preventing me to see. Be real before the Lord. Father, you remember Pinellas County. You remember my city. I'm here. Let's do this. Pray. Make it a part of your language. Give your maidservant a male child, and then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened. What did she say? This is so beautiful. That the desire that God gave her, that she couldn't shake 
Through prayer, she realized that the desire that she had was actually just to bring it back to him. This is why the secret place is so beautiful, because he actually uses a desire to get your attention, and then that desire transforms from a thing to him. Isn't that beautiful? It's what he does. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. Has anybody prayed like that before? Has anybody said more with their tears than their words in prayer before? You know what I'm talking about? Liquid revelation is what I like to call it. You're just praying and it might be messy, it might be sloppy, but it's real and it's you and God. And we need real followers of Christ, not just pretenders, not just posers, because trust will reveal the pretenders and the posers. We're coming into a time, 2020, it was dress rehearsal for a lot of things. You have to understand the church has to understand where does your trust lie? If your trust lies in the government, you are screwed. They can't fix anything. But guess what? The government is on his shoulders. But guess what? He's the head, and what is the church? The body. So his shoulders, the church is supposed to be having the government on its shoulders because we're the body of Christ. His shoulders, we're the body. So we're supposed to be the government of this world. We're supposed to be carrying godly principles through the land. We're supposed to be showcasing what a family looks like, amen? We're supposed to be showing the world the beauty of God's creation, not giving in to vain. And this is what happens when you start leaning on your own understanding. You just start tolerating sin. The more you start tolerating sin, you aren't going to be able to trust God when it comes down to it. You are going to fall by the wayside. And the Bible says, I'm warning you, it says even the elect will fall away. So just because a pastor has a big church doesn't mean they're on their way to heaven. I'm just letting you know. You have to understand where the fruit is. You have to watch where that is. Amen? So, but Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, go in peace. (laughs) And the God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked of him. Isn't this amazing that, that this priest is actually just tired of hearing this babbling brook. So he just says, go in peace. You can have a child. If you read the next next couple chapters, this priest actually gets judged by the Lord for his heart and the way he's been raising his sons in their own rebellion. This priest isn't even standing right with the Lord, and the Lord just uses him, uses his intolerance to bless this woman with a word. That some of you are waiting for some man or woman of God to pray over you or lay hands on you when really some, some, some random stranger today could have just cussed you out or something and they could have gave you the, all the ammunition you need to get in the secret place and know that your blessings coming to pass, knowing the things that are going. You don't, some of you are waiting for the wrong things. You have a one way connection with God. The greatest hand has already been laid upon you. It's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He's laid his hand on you. Those scarred hands that said this. This is how much you're worth. And as you continue to read, it says, she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. (laughs) This is what prayer does. You should go into prayer and pour out your soul, and you should walk out with fullness of joy. If you leave prayer sadder than you came, you didn't pray, you complained. There's a difference. Prayer fills you with his character, his joy. Prayer is air. Then they rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house at Ramah and Elkanah knew Hannah's wife. And the Lord what? Remembered her. Why did the Lord remember her? Because she poured her soul out. She allowed the desire that was in her. She brought it to the secret place. She poured it out before the Lord, so he created a desire to push her to him in prayer, and then the prayer brought about the trust, because that's where she got to know God in the secret place, and she trusted his character, and then God remembers Hannah, 
So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked for him from the Lord. You know what Samuel's name means? God hears. God hears grace. That's what Hannah's name means. God hears grace. Now the man, Elkinah, and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice in his vow, but Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, not until the child is weaned, then I will take him, that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. So Elkinah, her husband, said to her, do, do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. Then the woman stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. Now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bulls, one ephah, a flower, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh, and the child was young. Then they slaughtered a bull and brought the child to Eli, and she said, O oh my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore, I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worship the Lord there. This is so beautiful. Because there's only one extra verse I want to read about. And this is it. And you, all you have to do is turn just probably a page. It's 1 Samuel 3. She dedicates him to the Lord. And this is one of my favorite verses about Samuel. 1 Samuel 3, verse 19, it says, So Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. That what Hannah birthed in the secret place was a word from heaven, was a, something that was birthed that in this room tonight, all of our desires for our region can we get into agreement for our cities, for our regions, that if we all get in unity and we stop playing these games where people are doing stuff over here and doing stuff and we all come together and we say we have this desire and you're going to start seeing family restoration personally as you focus on the kingdom of God, you're going to start seeing all these things take place. But there's one other verse, which is, you don't have to turn there, but put it in your notes, Jeremiah 15:1. that Samuel was such a special gem to the Lord, I don't know if you've ever read this verse, but in Jeremiah 15, 1, it says this. The Lord's about to judge Israel. There's, they're in exile. Jeremiah's bringing this. And this is what it says about Samuel. Jeremiah 15, 1, then the Lord said to me, even if Moses and Samuel stood before me, my mind would not be favorable towards this people. Cast them out of my sight. Let them go forth. God actually says right here that Samuel even if you brought Moses or Samuel before me, I would, so what are they saying here? That Samuel is so special. That the reason why things, your womb of your heart or things might seem closed off is because God is trying to get this holy frustration, for a lack of better words, in you to drive you to the secret place to birth something that is so great in this hour. If you take anything away from tonight, God has an invitation for you in your bedroom at home saying, come away with me. Let's partner up and let's make history now. Who's with me?